Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, everybody? I'm Najee Adams. And I'm Hunter Jacobs. And you're listening to the Hoop Bowl Nets Podcast. So, as y'all can probably tell, the audio doesn't sound the exact same as it normally does, and that is because we are not in person right now. We're recording over Skype. I think we've done it one time before, but I can't remember what podcast it was. But this is going to become basically a staple for the way we record podcasts. Most people record podcasts over like Skype or, or in person with professional microphones and stuff like that, but considering uh, the fact that we are college students... We are recording over Skype, uh, and it's basically just easier for us because we don't have to travel to each other's houses at 2 and 3 in the morning, and now we can provide like more updated uh, emergency pods whenever something does happen with the Nets. And overall, it should just be a better experience podcasting for us and y'all. And uh, yeah, that is uh, just the disclaimer that we wanted to give before we got into the episode. But we hope you guys are enjoying the offseason. We definitely are. And uh, this episode is probably going to be on the shorter side of things just because there's not much going on in the realm of Nets right now. But we're going to talk about like Summer League, the uh, men's national team, and then get into what we think the Nets are going to do next season. Go into some over-under stats for each player that I'm sur- I have no clue what they are because Hunter's going to make them up on the spot and tell them to me. And then uh, lastly, we're going to go over, we're going to rank the NBA's top 15 duos. Do we have the same list, or do you have your own? Same list. Same list. All right, bet. So, yeah, we have the same list. And, uh, yeah, we're just going to give our uh, play-by-play on which teams we think had the best overall duos in the league. So, uh, we're going to start this episode with the USA Basketball Men's 2019 Training Camp roster. And uh, who we think... Well, first of all, let's just go over it. One, uh, we have Harrison Barnes, Jalen Brown... Andre Drummond, Montrez Harrell, Kyle Kuzma, Brooke Lopez, Kyle Lowry, Chris Middleton, Marcus Smart, Julius Randle, Mason Plumley, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, PJ Tucker, Miles Turner, Kemba Walker, and last but not least, Thaddeus Young. So you could probably tell that this is not the same batch of talent that Team USA usually has. Even last if we- time around, they had. A whole lot of good players and Mason Plumley. 
and this time they have a whole lot of average players and, and Mason Plum. <laughs> that guy is horrible, but aside from that, they should still easily win regardless. I mean, there is some increased competition and less talent, but I still think the U.S. is in a good position to win. If I'm looking at the roster right now, how many players are on it? 17? 1, 2, 3, yeah, so 4. Yes, they need to cut to 13, I believe. So they need to cut four players. Yes. What? Just looking at the coaching staff, they have Popovich as the head coach, Steve Kerr as the assistant coach, Jay Wright as an assistant coach, Lloyd Pierce as an assistant coach. Like their and coaching staff. Jerry is... Langelo is their managing director, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. He is. He is. Their whole coaching staff is stacked. But if the men's national team had to cut four players, I would. Look, I believe the the safest. Let's go with. The safest players first to fill out the roster. Wait, so we're, we're saying who fills out the roster or who gets yeah, cut? For sure, who is the safest first. Okay. And then we'll eliminate that way. I believe Drummond is safe because he's a center. Okay, that's one. I believe Lowry is completely safe. That's two. Veteran point guard. Keep going down. I believe Middleton is safe. That's three. Donovan Mitchell is safe. Four. Julius Randle is safe. Five. Go down. Miles Turner is safe. Six. Kemba Walker. Seven. Jason Tatum. Eight. And and that's it. And then Did there's you not five say Kyle spot. Kuzma? He's he's safe, I guess, compared to the other people. It's going to come down to really him, Harrison Barnes, Jalen Brown, people like that. If I'm saying who gets cut, I'm saying what I don't believe Harrison Barnes and Jalen Brown are both making the team. Probably not. They'll, they'll probably give it to Harrison Barnes based off of age and experience. Okay, so then Jalen Brown gets cut. Montrez Harrell? Uh, I don't think he's getting cut. I doubt he is cut. Look, I believe for sure Mason Plumlee is getting cut. Mason Plumlee has no spot on the roster. If this guy doesn't get cut, it is rigged. He might as well not even come to practice as far as I'm concerned. So Mason Plumlee's gone. Actually, adding – so I had those eight on the safe list. I believe you can add Brooke Lopez. Because they need a stretch big. Yes, I believe you can add Marcus Smart in my opinion. Okay, so that has us up to what, 10? And I think you can add Kuzma. That's 11. Did you say Drummond? Yes. Okay. Um, uh, the last two spots are between P.J. Tucker, Thaddeus Young, Montrez Harrell, Jalen Brown, and Harrison Barnes. I say... Uh, I say Harrison... Barnes makes it, and I say, mm, I want to say P.J. Tucker just because, nah, this isn't NBA. I'm going to say Thaddeus Young. If you it was the, Thaddeus Young makes it. Yes, if it was the NBA, like, and they needed a veteran enforcer on the team, I'd say P.J. Tucker, but I don't think that USA basketball cares about P.J. Tucker being willing to throw his body on the line, to be honest. 
I think it's kind of crazy that four Celtics could make the roster. I I mean Tatum, Brown, and Smart. Yeah, I mean Kemba, Tatum, and Kemba and Tatum are locks. Yes, I think Smart should be a lock based on his hustle and defense. That is going to be crazy. Yeah, the overall, I feel like this USA national team is much more lacking in talent than every other USA men's national team. Like we no, said, there was there was one prior year that was and they still and they still won, didn't they? Yes. Yeah, the, I feel like the USA is easily going to win. Like just looking at this picture right now, what is that? Andre Drummond, AD Harden, DeMarcus, Kyrie, DeMar DeRozan, uh KD D Rose, Clay, and Steph. That alone is insane. You can't forget Mason Plumley. And Ma- <laughs> and of course Mason Plumley. But looking at the 2019 select team. Oh wait, personally, I believe Mason Plumley only made that team because of Coach K. And now that he's not there, he's not making this team. Honestly, that's a great take because I wasn't even thinking about that. Honestly, that. That could be extremely true. And now with the USA men's select team, which is basically just rookies and young players with uh, this potential. Could probably compete with the regular team. If so we're being right now, the USA men's select team has Brooklyn Nett, Jared Allen, Marvin Bagley, Mikhail Bridges, Jalen Brunson, Brooklyn Nett, Joe Harris, De'Aaron Fox, Pat, I thought you we were going to say Brooklyn at John Collins. I was like, what? Pat Connaughton, I wish. They spelled John Collins wrong, by the way, on the USA website. Yeah, they put three L's. John Collins, John Collins, Jonathan Isaac, Mitchell Robinson, Landry Shamet, Derek White, and Trey Young. This, this team is nasty. This team could honestly give the USA men's team a run for their money. They've got two, we've got two Brooklyn Nets and Joe Harris and Jared Allen. Uh, I honestly say both of them make the roster. One, because the only other big man, I guess you could say, is Mitchell Robinson, unless you count Jonathan Isaac. But he's, Yeah, I guess you could count Jonathan Isaac. But even still, I say Jared Allen makes the team. I think Joe Harris makes the team because he's by far the best shooter on the team. Well, I mean, there's only 13 people on this list. so. Oh, yeah, so they all have to make the team. But Joe Harris, I feel like... I feel like he'll actually get run. Like, I feel like people would look at this and be like, oh, Joe Harris, he's not as young as the rest of these guys. He's not going to play as much. He's not going to have as big a role. But, yeah, I feel like Joe Harris would actually get run on the USA men's select team. Is he the oldest one? He's 27. Pat Connaughton is 26. The closest might be Pat Connaughton. I think everyone else is 25 and under. Yeah, Pat Connaughton's 26. Yeah, Joe Harris is the oldest one. It's them two and Derek White are 25 and over. Everyone else is like 22 and lower. Yeah, so, and and like I said, Joe Harris is far and away the best shooter on the team. So, uh, Shamet is getting up there with him. Shamet is nice. I but. mean, Trey Young is also getting okay, up there. Yeah, but Trey Young's one of those. Trey Young's a volume shooter. Yes, he's very good. Yes, if you had to say in two years who the top five shooters in the game are, Trey Young will make my list. But right now, he he's streaky at best. Yeah, I mean, he shoots like 
Mm, I mean, he 14. has all star, all star level of play right now. He shoots fourteen threes a game, knocks down like six, and there you go. He's a great shooter. Shot selection a little bit. That picture is really cool. That picture is super cool. It's a picture of all the men's and women's USA players at the time. Yeah, it's definitely outdated because Melo is still here. DeAndre Jordan. Uh, there's three Nets in the roster. I mean, in the picture, KD, Kyrie. DeAndre Jordan, Paul George, not in that, but still. DeMarcus, Draymond. I'm surprised Draymond didn't do it. I mean, I feel like he's probably focused on the Warriors getting nice again, considering they got clapped by the Raptors. So, But, yeah, the USA men's select team and the USA men's team, uh, I feel like they both have – the, the men's team is going to win regardless. The basketball is just the best in the United States. You could put You could put the select team roster out there as the USA men's team, and they probably still win. Yeah, definitely. The USA Select team has a lot of names that are better than half the names on the regular team. Like, I'd rather have De'Aaron Fox and Trey Young than half of the players that are on the other roster. Easily. But moving on to more Nets-related news, the NBA Summer League has concluded. The Nets came up just short as they lost in the semifinals to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And uh, Jared Allen made the all summer made the summer league first team, averaging sixteen point four points, ten point six rebounds, one point six assists, two point two blocks on sixty one percent shooting from the field. I'm gonna be honest. When I first saw Jared Allen was playing in the summer league, I was like, "Why? Why is Jared Allen playing in the summer league?" And I think the first game that the Nets had, he had a lackluster performance, and I was like, "Oh no, this could be very bad." I believe it was more. Likely he would not play had they not gotten Kyrie, KD, and DeAndre Jordan. Because now he's still, being that he doesn't have to really step up this season because of everyone that they have, they needed him to play more in a in an environment where he could dominate. Yeah, I mean, adding KD, Kyrie, and DeAndre took Jared Allen from one of their best players to someone that could potentially be coming off the bench with a ton of potential. You know, like, it just moved his his timetable back. He doesn't need to be as good as fast anymore because they have players like KD, Kyrie, and DeAndre Jordan to pick up the slack. So him playing in this summer league, I don't think people – I think people looked at it more as, wow, why are the Nets playing Jared Allen? Well, they're playing him because now he is really truly a part of their – like he doesn't need to be as good as people think he should be as quickly, if that makes sense. Because now they have other players that can pick up that slack. And joining Jared Allen on the All Summer League first team is Nikhil, Alexa- Nikhil Alexander Walker, Brandon Clark, Kendrick Nunn, and Mitchell Robinson. So and- Nikhil Alexander Walker played amazing. He proved that the Pelican, the Pelican might have won the draft by the play of him and Jackson Hayes, being that you already know what you're getting from Zion when he's healthy. I mean, yeah, they're the only team that has two players on the All Rookie First and Second Team because Jackson and Hayes, still Zion, and you still and, have Lonzo and, and Ingram and Clark with the Grizzlies. That was a steal. Who I personally wanted the Celtics to pick at 14 rather than Romeo Langford. But they didn't, and Brandon Clark won Summer League MVP, so 
great. Yeah, because the Grizzlies won the uh, Summer League chip without John Morant. So that's an accomplishment in itself. The Summer League second team ended up being Chris Boucher. He was like the MVP of the G League. For, yeah. He was the MVP of the G the League. Raptors for the Raptors are very excited about him. Uh, Rui Hachimura, Jackson Hayes, Afrini Simons, and Lonnie Walker from the Spurs to round out the all uh, the I always want to say the all rookie second and first team the NBA <laughs> summer league first team and second team. I, I like to see Anthony Simons doing well. Came out of high school. Yeah, he was. Oh, I, he didn't play much for the Trailblazers, but when he did play in well, the the last game of the season. He had 37 points in 48 minutes. So. Yeah, he's he's only around 19, tw- barely yeah. 20. And he's Damian Lillard's backup. So, I mean, yeah. he shouldn't be playing for a while. It's similar to now Jalen LeCue with the Suns. Yeah. He, he got signed to a big contract, not money-wise, year-wise, because he's coming out of high school, bypassed NC State, and he wants to go straight to... The pro, and now he's playing behind Rubio with the Suns. Exactly, and looking at just a few stats from the Summer League, a few standout performances, we already stated Jared Allen. Standout performances. What did you say? And not so standout (laughs) performers like Musa and Karooks, as we'll get to. Yeah, so Rodion's Karooks averaged 9.3 points, 5.3 rebounds, 2.3 assists, 1.7 steals, and .8 blocks on 46% shooting from the field. So his his overall play was not terrible. You know, he flashed the defense, played all right. But as the games progressed, he was getting worse. Yeah, uh, so we have a cool little stat right here. So Jalen Hans, Theo Pinson, and Jeanon Musa all shot below 35% from the field. And Hans was actually 28%. Exactly. So before we get into all of that, I just want to say a uh, shout-out to Nicholas Claxon, who did average 5.5 points and 4.8 rebounds on 61% shooting from the field at 15.8 minutes. That's good as far as I'm concerned. He's not really going to play, if we're being honest, since they got DeAndre. He had potential to play. Before they got DeAndre, but, but now he's a third string. Yes, he's a third string center. So yes. the Nets came into the summer league playoffs as a seventh seed, and in the first round they faced the number two seeded Pistons, and they blew them out, one hundred five to eighty five. And Jared Allen had probably his best game of the summer league. He had thirty and eleven on eleven of fifteen shooting with two blocks and two steals. Question: Did the situation with Nicholas Claxton? Is a perfect example of this. Do you believe this, that free agency should be before the draft? So that teams can know what positions they need to draft? Yes. Should free agency be before the draft? I don't... I don't That's give a what d- a lot of people believe. And I, I on that... that I don't want to give a definite answer because I feel like... There's so many factors that would go in. So many things in the league would change if that was to happen. Because, because like, let's say, for example, so everybody knew that the Pelicans were drafting Zion. But let's, well, no, that's a bad example because Zion's a a once-in-a-generation talent. But, okay, let's say for the Grizzlies. Let's say something crazy happened 
and Kemba decided to go to the Grizzlies. They don't draft John Morant anymore, which messes up the entire, like, not messes up, but changes the entire course of the draft. And, and like, I feel like, because the hype is still going to be there leading up to the draft. Like, oh, the Grizzlies are definitely going to take John Morant. Grizzlies are taking John Morant. And then all of a sudden, they're faced with, do you take John Morant or do you sign Kemba? And I don't know which way they'd lean. But let's say they lean towards the Kemba side. Then a team like the Suns, who thought they would never get John Morant, now they have to work out John Morant in two days. Like It's just so much would go into... But I, I honestly believe that would bring so much more excitement. Bringing them closer together and maybe pushing the draft back a week from when it happened to around the 4th of July... Oh God! Imagine the draft on the Fourth of July after free agency. In the midst of free agency is the draft, as if they're adding another player. Imagine the draft is on the Fourth of July. Like that, Kawhi hadn't decided by the Fourth of July. Exactly. Like that's crazy. Imagine not knowing where Kawhi is, and the and a team's just like, oh, we select. Uh, like you don't even know where he's going. That honestly, that would add so much more excitement and intensity to the NBA offseason, which is already by far the most entertaining offseason in professional sports. Easily. It was. Like, even not even this offseason, just the NBA offseason in general. Like, the NFL offseason is cool, but nothing really, nothing to the caliber of watching what plane Kawhi Leonard gets on and off happens in the NFL. No one could, no, people could care less. But in the NBA, you're watching, oh, Anthony Davis and LeBron had dinner. Kawhi just got off the Raptors team plane. <laughs> like, it's it's crazy. Kawhi has officially eliminated the Clippers from contention. And right, two days before signing with the Clippers. Like, you never expect things like that. And no you know other. You know what I have to give a lot of props to in this free agency? Who? Kendrick Perkins. Why? This guy knew everything. Also, Chris Carter. He was good. Yeah. He was good with Kawhi. Kendrick Perkins, when it came out that that Kawhi had signed with the Lakers from the thing that you had sent me or was leaning toward the Lakers, Kendrick Perkins immediately shut it down. A lot of journalists got put their credibility on the line and got exposed. People like uh Stephen A. Smith, but you really can't trust what he says because he's more of a, a media personality. Like I'm sure he has sources, but he's not as reliable as someone like Woe, Shams, people like that, Chris Haynes. And if you notice, neither of them actually said anything about where Kawhi was going until exactly. it happened. It was the people like Chris Broussard, who who also I'm sure has sources, but are not as reliable as the people I just named, like Woj and Shams. It just goes to show people would do like a lot of journalists were just tweeting out, hey, I think Kawhi signing with the Lakers because they know one, Kawhi will get clicks, two, the Lakers will get clicks, three, therefore, they get clicks and more views on their articles. But honestly, the going back to your main question, I think yes. I agree. Let's let's move the let's move the draft back. Just to create more chaos in an already chaotic NBA offseason. So back going back to the Nets, they did lose, unfortunately, to the Timberwolves 
in the semifinals of the summer league playoffs. Uh, they lost 77 to 85 and they shot 31.5% from the field as a team in that game. The only player that did well was Jared Allen, who had another 15 and 14 game, while Jana Musa and Rodion's Kuruks combined for seven of 37 in the two playoff games. If you want to know, that is 18.9% from the field. Two players combined for 18.9%. Both of their draft picks from last draft. Combined for Kuruks, who actually played a decent amount of NBA basketball. Combined for 18.9% from the field. It's not 18.9%. Like, oh, they shot nine shots. No, they shot 37 shots in two games. And it's a summer league game. And I'm not here to bag on them. But you have to admit they need to do better. Oh, Musa has been just garbage overall. That There's no word to say otherwise. <laughs> Karooks You're has... about to have the Nets fans. Oh, no, 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 I'm no, no, no. Sorry. I mean... Karooks has has been good. Karooks is baby AK and Andre Karolinko, but I I just yes. don't see it in Musa right now. I mean, I I also would agree that Jana Musa has been bad. I don't want to say he's been a bust because I feel like it's too early to say that. It's late in the first. There really are no busts. What can you really expect out of true? Out true. Of- but I expect them to do much better than 18.9% combined in two playoff summer league games against drastically worse talent. They should be outperforming. But moving on from the summer league, the Nets did sign Wilson Chandler to a one-year $2.5 million deal, basically uh, vet men. And I don't think that this, shi- that this shining, that this signing should go unnoticed because he in some way can replace Jared Dudley and serve as that veteran presence. And the good thing is he's also still got something left in the tank. Jared Dudley did too, but not to the same extent as Wilson Chandler. Wilson Chandler can still be a valuable rotation player playing 20 to 23, 24 minutes a game. While Jared Dudley was more so that guy that came in through his body, when he needed to throw his body, attack the opposing player like Ben Simmons when he felt like Ben Simmons was getting out of line. Wilson Chandler will also do that. And he's also still pretty good on defense and a 34.3% career shooter from beyond the arc. And they got him on a vet min. So I personally feel like Wilson Chandler is a good signing. What about you? It is, but how much is he going to play is the question. The team is very deep now. I don't know if he's more of a a type of veteran bench signing for his his leadership to just be there. But I do believe that it was a valuable signing because they didn't have the leader. They lost Dudley. They lost Ed Davis. Yes, they got Kyrie and KD. But I believe you need somebody else there like like the Horford was on the Celtics. For, so even when Kyrie was down, there was Horford to lead the team. The same way Chandler's seen a lot. He's been around a lot. He knows how to lead a team, not even on the court, in their attitude on the bench. Because there's a lot of questions about them losing their attitude, you know, the fun environment they had last season. I think he's probably the person that will be crucial in keeping that intact. 
I agree. I agree. The only thing is, I just, I, it seems as though he's bought in to the whole net. Like he's said, the Nets can contend for a title next year without KD. I just hope that if they do start to go through some bumps in the road, he doesn't upset the team chemistry. Because Wilson Chandler has been known to be like a volatile player. And as long as he doesn't upset or or rupture the team chemistry that the Nets have already sort of somewhat built, then I think he'll be a good signing. Yeah, it's the same thing as, as Jimmy Butler in that sense. Like if, When Jimmy Butler buys into something, he's amazing to have. He will fight for it until he can't anymore. But it's he, getting him to buy in. in he, he, it's a problem. Exactly. It will ruin the team. And so since Wilson Chandler believes that they can uh, contend for a title next year, we figured we would give our thoughts as well. So uh, can the Nets realistically contend for a title this year, this upcoming year without KD? Uh, I'm, it's tough because when you look at their roster, it's it's not something to, to marvel at. Like, yes, we have Jared Allen. We have Wilson Chandler. We have Spencer Dinwiddie. We have... Jalen Hands, I guess. We have Joe Harris, Kyrie Irving, DeAndre Jordan, Kavis LeVert, David Inwaba, which was also a great pickup. We have Torian Prince. But when you compare that to a team in the East like the Bucks, who have Giannis, Middleton, a team like the the Sixers. Even the Celtics, the Sixers, I don't know that that they're up there yet. Yeah, yeah. A team that has Ben Simmons the, and Joel Embiid. The difference is... The Nets do have the depth to beat a team like the Sixers, whose main bench players now are like James Ennis and Trey Burke. True. I feel but, like if the Nets were the sixth seed last year, they're definitely going to be better than the Pacers. Definitely going to be better than the Magic and Pistons again. Uh, I say... What else? I say they're better than the Celtics. I don't think so. I say I say that they could be the the fourth seed only because, because what really did the Celtics lose that the Nets would have gained because KD's not playing. So yes, the Nets gained Kyrie. We swapped Kyrie for Kemba. Kemba's clearly a better fit and went and is near the sportsmanship award every year. So culture was the main focus, and culture is what they nailed. Yes, and they the, sportsman, the sportsmanship it. award after he told his team that uh, he would sign for the minimum and then uh, absolutely left and went to the Celtics. He gave them their all. He's the best Hornet of all time. Okay, that's not it. That's not it. That's not hard to do. You think when they told him at the start of free agency that they couldn't get him anybody, that, that, that he was going to be happy about it? I is being the best Hornet of all time a hard task to uh to, to, to accomplish? Regardless, then they got Cantor, who who, who is, is the, the best, best who is the best Hornet before him? Eric Gordon, Chris Del- Paul, oh, okay, Delco, Anthony Davis, Chris maybe. Paul like, wasn't a Hornet. Oh yeah, he wasn't a Hornet. The he was a Pelican. But I don't think that him being the best. Hornet of all time. Speak oh, but regardless, what I'm saying is all they did was swap Kyrie. Yes, it's downgrades, but they swapped Kyrie and Horford for Kemba and Cantor, and then they added 
all their draft picks, who, by the way, Carson Edwards and Grant Williams are good players. And then they signed Poirier. Are they going to contribute immediately? Oh, Carson Edwards for sure will. Okay, Grant but Williams who is be Carson Edwards top better top than on the Nets roster? On In the Nets rotation? Who in the we, Nets rotation? We don't, we don't know. That's the thing. We don't know what he is until he plays. Carson Edwards is not averaging more than 9.8 points per game. Obviously, because he's not going to play enough. They have Kemba Walker. But anybody who's a serviceable backup point guard is going to make a difference. He's good. He's going to replace Rozier. And if he plays similar to Rozier, they didn't lose anything. Then add Grant Williams. Okay, they but you, you didn't lose anything, but yet. to feed last year, and now you take the mouths away and bring in people who don't have to be fed. Yes. It's going to automatically make them better regardless. You didn't lose anything, but you also didn't really accomplish much in the, the playoffs. They gained culture. Which will make them better. I, I, and I guarantee that they will have fifty wins this year at least. I mean, you had forty nine last season, so yes, they'll be better. That's my point. Okay, so regardless, do you think that the Nets can contend for a championship next year? No. Can you... they? Can they contend for the conference finals? Yes. Chip, no. Okay, so they, since go ahead, they run into the Bucks. What happens? They run into the Bucks and uh, KD comes back and they sweep them in four. All right, if KD plays <laughs> at any point, yeah, sure they can win. KD doesn't play. One person on that team who can remotely guard Giannis. Can you please explain to me who that is? Oh, looking at the Nets roster, one player that can guard Giannis. In your opinion, because in my opinion, it's zero. Their best shot would probably be Wilson Chandler. Or, or Karras, maybe David and Waba, because he's lockup. Um, that means they have to play in Waba, which means they have to sit Karras Levert. I mean, and Waba's not a liability. Okay, I know that, but on offense, he's not the best, obviously. Obviously, but since we're already here and we're talking about their roster, swing me the over/under stats. Okay, over/under ten rebounds per game for DeAndre Jordan. Over easily. Only because oh. who's who's the Nets starting for? Rodion's Kuruks. True. Like he's over gonna under get a double double for Jared Allen, and then say what you believe those stats will be if any part of it is under. Over under double double for Jared Allen. Yes. Over under ten points, ten rebounds. Uh, that's a tough one because I'm not sure how much he'll play. If Jared Allen starts, if they somehow run a lineup of DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen at the four and the five, which would be horrible because they have absolutely no perimeter shooting, then maybe he gets a double-double. But I'm going to go off the assumption that Jared Allen will be coming off the bench. So I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say under 10 and 10. No, I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna say exactly ten and ten. I say he averages like ten point two, no under ten point two and nine point five. So ten, over points, under rebound. Yes. Okay. Wilson Chandler over under fifteen minutes per game. How many minutes did Jared Dudley play last season? Let me look that up right now. 
How many minutes did Jared Dudley play last season? Jared Dudley last season played, he played 14, no, 20.7 minutes per game? Over, over for Wilson Chandler. Easily over. Jared Jared Dudley only played in 59 games, though. But I say Wilson Chandler easily demolishes 15 minutes per game. Okay. Okay, so next player. Nicholas Claxton. Over, under... Uh, over, under 41 games played. Hmm. <laughs> that depends on the Nets record, because if they run away with a couple games, like if they're a 50-win team, I could see them playing him for like the last 10 games straight. But if they're struggling, trying to get into the playoffs... That over under how many? 41? Half the season, yep. <sighs> no, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say under. I'm gonna say under. Only mm-hmm. because I feel like they're gonna have a harder time solidifying their spot in the playoffs than most people might think. Okay. This this one's gonna be fun. Spencer Dinwiddie, over under fifteen points per game. Uh, I'm trying to. So obviously, Kyrie's going to be their leading scorer. But after that, there's no solidified number two guy outside of uh, Karis LeVert, I guess. So let's say Karis LeVert averaged 18 points per game. The Nets last season. Uh, I hate doing this on the spot because that means I have to look stuff up. But the Nets last season. Let me see. How much did their third leading scorer have last season? Their third leading scorer clearly does not want to tell me. Well, their their leading scorer was D'Lo, obviously. obviously. And then Dinwiddie. Okay, so their leading scorer last year was D'Lo, Dinwiddie. Third was Joe Harris and Karis Avert tied at 13.7. Oh, man. So you have to think Kyrie averages more than 21.1 because that's what D'Lo averaged. Uh, Karis would probably average more than 13. I'm going to say over for Spencer Dinwiddie. I'm going to say over 15. Okay. I I do believe he'll play around the same minutes he did because regardless of Kyrie being there, he's still far and away the sixth man. I say he averages over. Definitely over 15. So moving on to the next guy. KD over under one game played. I so badly want to say that if the Nets make the semifinals and he's feeling good, he'll come back. But since he obviously has bad experience with rushing back from injuries, as seen by the Warriors and him popping his Achilles wide open, I'm going to go with uh, under. I say he doesn't play the entire season, regardless of whether or not they... Let's say the Nets make the chip. If the Nets are in such a good groove in the playoffs that they are steamrolling team, not that they're blowing them out, but that they're having good games, they're in a fun groove, and they're winning, do you think they'd even want KD back for this season? No. Even if if the Nets are in the chip game seven, they don't bring him back. No shot. No. And it's... It's similar to how the Celtics were that when they were one game away from the finals, when they had no Kyrie and Hayward. It was uh, like 
that group was in such a, a groove chemistry-wise that I don't think they would have wanted Kyrie back, even if he could have come back. Yeah, because they, they already had something going for them that was clicking. Okay, Joe Harris, over, under, 45% from three. He led the NBA this season. I mean, last season. And what did he shoot last season? He shot, Joe Harris shot, like 34%. No, like 43. Like 43% from three. I thought he was over 45. Is it 46? It's either 43 or 46. Let me look it up right now. Joe Harris last season shot, I want it, if I had to put a number on it, guessing 46.3. He shot 47.4. And what so was over th- under forty five. Over under forty. I'm gonna say under under forty five. I say she's like 43 percent from the field, which is still monstrous. I agree because not that it was a fluke, but that he's never done it before, and the playoffs kind of scared me a little bit. Yeah, I forty three percent from three is still way above league league average. So it's not, he's still going to be one of the best sharpshooters in the league. I just don't think he's going to shoot almost 50% from three. I have two of them for Kyrie now. Okay. One, over under 70 games played. And two, over under 25 points per game. Over? I'm going to start with the 25 points per game. So Kyrie's only averaged 25 points per game, at least 25 points per game, once yes. in his career. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, but the Celtics probably had more. No, I'm going to say under 25 per game. I say average well, is like. I don't think he's going to play more than 32 minutes, 33 minutes with the Nets. No, 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 no. I just think he'll average somewhere around 20, 23, 24. I don't think he breaks that 25 threshold. And the 70 games, uh, he's only played 70 games three times in his career. But I'm going to say, I'm going to say they're going to need him. Like, they're going to need Kyrie more than maybe the Celtics did. So, I'm going to say he plays at least 70 games this season. Simply be how consistently Kyrie was a 40% three-point shooter, like on the dot. Yeah, he, he's, he's knocked down. People... People sleep on Kyrie's ability to shoot the three. Like, they just think he's an average. No, he's knocked down. And he's uh, clutch. Rodion's Karooks over under. Uh, over under two and a half steals and blocks per game combined. Under. I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's going to play that much of a role to put up stats like that because last season he combined for 1.1 but and you're saying 2.5 yes no shot no shot last year he played uh, last year he played 20.5 minutes per game uh they don't have ed davis but they do have jared allen and Nicholas Claxton. I I believe he'll have a similar role. Even if his minutes go up to 25, I don't think he gets 2.5 blocks and steals. That would mean about one and a half steals or a little bit more than one block. Yeah. 
Actually, it's exactly what he averaged in the summer league, 2.5. I don't think so, because even when you look at Paul George, he only averaged 2.6, 2.6, and he led the league in steals. Okay, even if you bump it down to 2, over under 2. Over under 2 is more more believable for me, but still, I okay, over under 2. I'll give him, I'll say I'll say over two. I'll say over two. So you'll give him over two. And what would you say? Like 1.4 steals, 0.7 blocks, or 1.3 steals? 1.3. 1.3 steals. And 0.8 blocks or yeah, something? 0.8 blocks, 1.3 steals. Okay. What about over under 10 points per game? Over under 10 points per game. I mean, he just slightly developed because last season he was just under 10. He was at 8.5. I'm going to say under. I say he stays at like 8.5, maybe hits 9.3, but not 10. Okay. There aren't many players left, but... Well, Karis Lover. See, this one you can really say anything, but I'm going to go with over under 18 points per game. For Karis? Yes. Oh, over, over. For the entirety of the beginning of the season, until he went down, he was averaging 20 points. Over, over 18. I say he averages 19 to 20 points per game. Okay, I like it. And just before we move on to the last couple of players, we definitely want you guys to give us your thoughts on these over-unders. Hit us up on Twitter, leave reviews. I didn't even do the intro. That's crazy. I'm thinking of that just now. But make sure you guys leave a five-star rating and review. If you even got to this point in the podcast, you are a real one. Leave a five-star rating and review. Let us know what you think about the over-hunter. The over-hunters that Hunter (laughs) is asking me. Let me know what you guys think about the over-unders that Hunter is asking me. Tweet at us. Leave a review. Just let us know what your opinions are. We'd love to hear your feedback. Okay, continue. Let's see. Um... Over, under, 10 memes by Theo Pinson. 10, uh, under, under. You I say he's going to have a less fun season? Yeah. I say he gets like like four, five maybe. Four okay, or five. He had a good amount of them last year. Yeah, that, that was a fluke. It was a career year for him. Okay. Career so- high. <laughs> Tory and Prince over under 30 games started. Ooh, that's a good one. Over. He's their starting three. Or will it be Joe Harris? Ooh. Uh, that's a good one. That's a tough that's probably the toughest one so far. See, I don't know what Atkinson is thinking. Do you bring Joe Harris off the bench with Dinwiddie? But he liked Levert and Dinwiddie off the bench. So he could bring Levert off the bench, but that's unlikely because of how good Levert is. I'm going to say under under 30 games started for Torian Prince. Okay. And Garrett Temple over under 20 minutes per game and over under... 40% from three. 20 minutes per game, definitely 
let me think about that. Garrett Temple, 20 minutes per game, definitely under. And then what, what, did, what was the second one? 40% from three. Actually, 37, the league average. He's a career 35% shooter from three, so definitely under. I doubt he has a career year with the Nets. So under for both. Okay. And David and Waba, I'll give it over under 50 games played and over under one steal per game. Under 50 games played, over one steal. David and Waba locks up. You think in the games he plays, he will get over a steal per game? Definitely. Easily. Easily. And that about rounds out the round. You asked me about DeAndre. For Jalen Hands because he won't have any role with the team. Same with Musa, really. I don't think he's going to play a whole lot. And Ellison's on a two-way. Henry Ellison. So he is probably going to appear in like five to ten games this season. You gave me one for DeAndre, right? Yes. The okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, yeah, that is our over-under segment. Like we said, leave uh, your feedback. Tweet at us or tweet us individually or the Nets Twitter uh, over-unders you guys personally come up with. We'll definitely answer them. We love stuff like this. But moving on to our next segment, uh, there's still free agents out there. So the Nets right now have, what, 15 players on their roster? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Oh, whoa. Either I counted way too quick or they have more than 15 players. They do. They have, but what, 18? KD, yes, KD doesn't count. Ellison's on a two-way. And this site, go down. This site has Allen Williams, who they don't have. Exactly. So the Nets That's don't crazy. have much room for a free agent. They don't have any room unless they cut. Unless Jaylen. they cut someone, exactly. So Hands would be the one that gets cut if they cut someone. So let's just go over the like. Let's say they do cut Jalen Hands. He doesn't make the the roster. So the top free agents left really are we've narrowed it down to uh, Dabo Cephalosha, Jeremy Lin, Lance Stevenson, Jamal Crawford, Mello, Kenneth Fareed making a return, Iman Schubert, Sean Livingston, and J.R. Smith. Now, I immediately think J.R. Smith out of the equation. I think it's been reported that they wanted Iman Shumpert, but he didn't reciprocate the same amount of interest that they did, which I don't understand. I honestly feel like Shumpert is more focused on entertainment than basketball with his like reality TV show and everything like that. Sean Livingston, I think, would be a steal for whatever team picks him up. I believe if they had to get one person... Being that I know we were talking about Shumpert, but being that they have Enwaba, I don't think personally that that's the biggest need. If they were to cut Jalen Hands, I believe they should bring Jeremy Lin back. Really? Why? Because he was on the Nets. He knows Kenny Atkinson. And he's also been around for a while and has a similar veteran leadership that Shumpert would bring just in a more polished position of need and, and position of need, let's say. Because although they have Kyrie and Dinwiddie, they had those two last year with Napier. And 
in a sense, Lynn could fill the Napier role just as a more polished veteran and a good locker room presence. Yeah, I, I would agree either Sean Livingston or Jeremy Lynn because that would be their backup point guard, basically. So they could have Spencer Dinwiddie also run. They could have Spencer Dinwiddie run on the ball or off the ball, whatever he wants, but they could also run a, a two-guard tandem off the bench if they so wanted to. And uh, lastly, like we said earlier, since the Nets did acquire KD and Kyrie, and this NBA offseason seemed to be all about duos coming together to basically make for one of the most balanced NBA roster setups in recent history, we thought we would rank the uh, NBA's duos from best, from from worst, no, should we do worst to best or best to worst? Worst to best. Worst to best. But uh, it's really 14 of them and then a surprise one that is because we don't know what this player will bring when he comes back. So they will appear in the list as if this player was healthy. Exactly. So we're going to start it off. 15. Coming in at number 15 is Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siak. Now, I don't think that this one is controversial in any sense once you hear the rest of our list. I think they're a top 15 duo because Siakam is obviously going to make a step or continue. He made a step this season, most improved player, and he will continue to make steps considering the 18 or so shots that are now opened up with Kawhi gone. Some of them are obviously going to go to Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry is still an all-star. I I honestly believe Siakam is good. I just don't know how much better he will get from what he was this season. I don't think he's ever going to be. I think he can make an all star game. I think he can make an all star game. He can be a couple time all star, yeah. So, yeah, I think that Lowry and Tiakam will honestly be one of the better duos in the league. Not top tier, but also not bottom tier. Next up, coming in at number 14. I don't agree with the 14 13 placement, but we can discuss that. To the chagrin of Hunter, number 14, Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum. Uh, well, then we'll say who's 13 and then discuss. 13 is Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. Um, personally, I believe that Kemba and Tatum is better than Griffin and Drummond. Just... I'm, I'm, I'm willing to, to concede and say that, that that's arguable. I'm willing to say that, that you could be correct. The only reason I ranked it like that is because personally, I don't feel like we can say Tatum is better than Andre Drummond just yet. But... I see where the argument could be made. Okay, that's fair. But I believe Kemba and Tatum, with the supporting cast, is a good enough duo to be a three seed in the East this year. Will they win the East? No. And the Bucks will win the East. The Pistons but, are... Wait, go ahead. But uh, the Sixers have a shot if they somehow muster up a bench at the deadline or something. But it seems like the Bucks will probably run away with the East, if I had to guess now. Also, the Pistons are always one of those teams that gets overlooked. And people forget that they have Blake Griffin, who's a multi-time All-Star. He's oh, and my Eric Rose returning to MVP form this year. Yeah, okay. If they return to MVP, if he returns to MVP form, then... Uh, they have the best duo in the game. Yeah, okay. 
Nah, they'd have a top five duo if this man returned to MVP form. Moving on to the number, what, 12 duo? We have LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan, which is another duo I think gets overlooked because the Spurs aren't the perennial playoff contender, Western Conference Finals contender that we know them to be. But LaMarcus Aldridge is still a very capable player. He's probably still a top 25 player in the league. And DeMar DeRozan is obviously one of the top five shooting guards in the league still. At 11 is where I would place this mystical duo I was discussing personally. So at 11, we have John Wall and Bradley Beal. See, I was skeptical about putting them in because we don't know when John Wall's playing, to be honest. But let's say he was as good as he was before. I believe this is where they'd be. Yes, it could be even higher than this, but you'll see why they're this low when you see all the duos that are above them. Exactly. So coming in, what is this, 10? No, 11? 11? No, now we're at 10. Oh, now we're at 10. So the 10th, now we're in the top 10, baby. Okay, but I also do disagree with the two players you picked from this team. I put Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley. I could see where you put Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, but I just put Mike Conley. I was going to put Slash Gobert, but I forgot. But they really have a big, a big, like, a big trio duo. They have a big three. (laughs) Like, it's, I don't know who's better, Conley or Gobert. I think Gobert's the best player of the three because of how good he is at defense. True. He's the most valuable player on their team. He doesn't play, they're going to lose. Period. You could say the same thing about Donovan Mitchell. I now that they have Conley, I don't know. Me uh, and Gobert are playing with the remainder of the team. They have Bogdanovich and Ingles and all of this. I believe they can still win games without Mitchell. I think Donovan Mitchell is special, like a special of offensive talent. They not be nearly as good without Mitchell. But I believe their duo is actually Conley and Gobert. What? Yes. Oh, I thought you meant Mitchell in one of them. Nah. Mm. I'm going to have to say Donovan Mitchell. Conley is a veteran. He's been in this league for years, and he he's established himself as a top 10 point guard. Okay, that doesn't mean it. Okay, is Chris Paul. Who better, Chris Paul or Mike Conley? Today? Yes. Chris Paul. Yeah, Chris Paul. Okay. I'm just saying, like, is Conley a top 10 point guard still? Tail end top 10, but yes, top 10. But Donovan Mitchell might be a top five shooting guard. Uh, is he? Uh, let's see. Harden. I don't, think, I don't think it's really close. Harden, Butler, DeRozan, Clay. Hey. Who comes in fifth? Middleton, if you consider him no, a two. Shot. He's a three. Donkic, if you put him at he's the two. He's a three. He started for most of last year. Is he a three? He's a one. <laughs> he's a and, one or a three. For sure, to me, Devin Booker is Wait, better than him. You think Donkic is better than Donovan Mitchell right now? Yes, that's not Whoa. even close. That's not even close. I'm Whoa. Sorry. That's not even close. Whoa, that's 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 crazy. I that's think people forget is. how nice Donovan Mitchell was his rookie year. He, yes, he's very good, and so is Luka Doncic. He's a monster. Yes, he's very good, and so is Luka Doncic. Donkic is good, yes, but Donovan and, Mitchell nah. and Devin Booker is definitely better. No than shot, him. no shot, no That's shot. Not even arguable. No I'd say they're even. 
but I'm not saying Devin Booker is better than him. But he's not top five. That's he's also a top ten shooting guard. Okay, but he's higher on the list of shooting guards than Mike Conley is on the list of point guards. Yes, uh, I guess, but that doesn't mean anything. That's a positional weakness then. In terms of who's a better player, if you had to ask me today, Conley or Mitchell, that's really hard because of how good Conley is at defense if you're taking the whole game into perspective. I agree, but I'm just saying I think if you're going to talk about a duo. Best players on the court for them are Conley and Gobert. The best scorer for them and their go-to offensive option is Donovan Mitchell. I think the best players are Conley and Mitchell. Ah, uh, that's... But, I mean, we could argue this all day. Number nine. Number they nine. definitely have a big three. That's big, the bottom. It is, it is. They're not in the duo list. They have their yeah, own. They, they have, they're in a list of their own. Now, moving on to number nine, we have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. And people might be a little ticked off that they're this low. But... Um, I believe... They're this low because CJ is not as good as the second options on anyone above this list. True. CJ is good. But as long as from CJ what I or Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. Okay. But I agree. it's really close. But I Donovan agree. Mitchell. But yeah, Damon CJ coming at number nine. Coming in at number eight is Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic. People undercut how good Jamal Murray is. I am one of those people. He Jamal Murray is a very good starting point guard. I think Jamal Murray's okay. He's cool. He he's 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 a good starting point guard. I don't think he's anything special. That is absurd. I don't think he was worthy of that massive extension he got. Like he he's a good point guard. A good he was NBA point guard. Absolutely without any type of thought worthy of that extension. I think he's worthy of that. Okay, maybe let me rephrase it. He's only worthy of that extension because the Nuggets have placed so much into him that they couldn't have given couldn't have not given him that extension. But skill-wise, if we put him up against other NBA players that make that much money, no shot. What? I don't think Jamal Murray's that good to be complete as in the bare and that's the bare minimum way I can say it. I think Jamal Murray is an good NBA point guard. He's he's good. Jamal Murray has all-star potential. Okay, uh, uh, like John Collins has all star potential. Okay, is, is he anything Collins. special? Ooh, Trey Young and John Collins. Okay, oh. they're not on this. That that they are they're up and coming. They they're are probably like, like seventeen. <laughs> if we were if we would have done every team in the league, they're probably seventeen or sixteen. Because then you have to put Luca and KP. Daps. Oh, we didn't even put them. Oh man, man, oh man, they're probably sixteen though. No, Luca and Chris Dabbs would have made this list. Luca and Chris Dabbs over who? Lowry and Siakam? That's the only that's the only duo that they would be over. Really? Yes. Yes, really. <laughs> that's that's tough. Moving on to what, number seven? One, seven. two, three. Yeah. Number seven. seven, we have and also people might have problems with this. Giannis and Chris Middleton. Look, Giannis carries the life out of this duo. Middleton barely belongs on this list, period. He's a good player, like Murray, but neither of them are at the top of their duo. Jokic and Giannis are top 10 players. Giannis, in my opinion, is top three, but... I think Giannis is... 
I think Giannis is top, what, probably like top six for me. Yeah, you would think he's number six. Absurd, but. I think Anthony Davis is better than Giannis Antetokounmpo, yes. Oh, we could discuss this later. I think uh, it's not even close. Okay, so number. Make a whole episode on this argument. <laughs> I, will, I will destroy you. Number, what, number six. six. Number six, we have the Philadelphia 76ers duo of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. The only thing holding these two back is Simmons going to that line. If he shoots from the three, effectively, they would be unstoppable. They would be. They'd be probably top three. But this guy can't make a three to save his life. So So here they are here at six. Moving on to the top five, we have. James Harden and Russell Westbrook. If we're talking, and it's very hard to not put them four. In if fact. we're talking talent, they are probably the th- three, three. Yes, the third best. They are three duo. But if we're talking talent, fit, team, everything all into one, taking it, taking everything into account, they're five. Do we know how I they're going to work? Do not believe they're going to work as poorly as people believe. I don't know because when you take Russell Westbrook, who's been averaging triple doubles and has the ball in his hands 90% of the time, and then take James Harden, who has one of the highest usage rates in NBA history, and put them on the same team, I don't know what's going to happen. But they've been on the same team. Okay, but obviously they've been on the same team, but not when James Harden was James Harden and Russell Westbrook was this Russell Westbrook. But they know how to play together. That's the point. No. And you don't forget that. You don't 23 year old Harden and 24 year old Westbrook knew how to play together. But you don't forget that. You don't forget but how to play. But they're not the same player. I don't believe it will be as bad because that's what everyone's argument is, what you're saying. Because that's, the, that's a good argument. I don't believe it will be nearly as bad as people think. I don't think it'll be bad. I have them in, my, in the top five. I just don't think they're going to be some transcendent NBA team next year. Moving I on. Think, oh, I think ahead. they can compete with the top of the West. Yeah, they'll be a top three seed in the West. Easily. Okay. Then we're on the same Easily? Season. I don't know. Never mind. Maybe not easily. but Actually, not easily. And then moving on to number four, we have Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson. Klay Thompson could be substituted for D'Lo, just saying, but we're going to put Klay here right now. This is another jazz situation as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I guess. And uh, although Klay is missing half the season, you still can't discount them. They're the Splash Brothers, the best two shooters in NBA history on the same team. So here they are in the top four. Rounding out the top three, we have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, even though KD isn't playing. The duo itself is still... One of the top three best duos in the NBA, easily. And the top two... Goes without saying. Are interchangeable, I would say. Not a chance. Not a chance. <laughs> I believe you are undercutting the value of the players on the Clippers because of your salt, but I'll let I you I think have- you're undercutting the value of LeBron James, so... Look, you are just salty that the Clippers will compete with you, so you're taking it out on the rankings. All I'm going to say is because this episode is pushing uh, uh, an hour and ten minutes, I'm going to say the second duo in the league we have as Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and the first duo in the league we have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Boom. And that is our top 15 NBA duos. Let us know what you guys think about it. Tweet at us. 
leave reviews, give us your top duos, who we missed, who we left out, who should have been higher, who should have been lower. Let us know all of your thoughts. And with that, we're going to get up out of here because this is somehow the longest episode we've ever recorded. I just want to say this is an hour and seven minutes right now. And uh, yeah, so like we said before, if the if it sounds a little weird, you guys will get used to it. We'll get used to it. We're not next to each other right now, but this is probably how most podcasts are going to sound from uh, here on out. Occasionally, we'll get back together and do a pod, but for the majority of them, they're going to sound like this. So we hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Shout out to Hawaiian Niles Kona Coffee Company for sponsoring this podcast and every other HoopBall podcast. Make sure you subscribe to us on the Apple Podcast app. You can look up Brooklyn Nets, HoopBall Nets. Either way, we come up. Just press that purple subscribe button. And uh, yeah, follow us on Twitter at HoopBall Nets. You can follow us individually. I'm at Najee Adams underscore. Hunter is at Hunter underscore JKR on Twitter. And with that, we'll see you all next time. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park